With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. No time for the Steelers to rest on last week's victory, although we will certainly talk about that here on the pregame scout. I'm Matt Geico with Steelers Now analyst Derek Bell. We got to, I don't want to say celebrate, but we do have to commemorate what we saw last week. In Cincinnati, a 400-yard performance from the Steelers' offense and uh, overall uh, an all-around feel-good win. We haven't had too many of those this year for Pittsburgh. And now they're 7-4, and four, standing pretty nicely in the AFC wildcard chase. Still not out of the AFC North race, although the Ravens are looking pretty strong lately. And then they get uh, a gift from the scheduling gods here, apparently, as we have the two-win Arizona Cardinals coming into Acrisure Stadium this Sunday. But uh, first of all, Derek, it had to feel different for you writing your dudes and duds. It was mostly dudes because, honestly, there wasn't too much to dislike about the Steelers' win at Cincinnati last week. Yeah, it felt weird because, you know, with all these other wins that they've had this season, uh, I felt like we have came on here on the on the show or I've been doing writing, and it's, it's like, man, how did they win that game? You know, they, they shouldn't have won that game, but they did. Or, you know, but last week's performance was weird because – it felt like the Steelers played better than what the score indicated. Like Mm -hmm. it really felt like the score should have been a little bit more lopsided because I talked about, you know, it felt like they were really on the brink of something on offense kind of breaking through and, you know, first 400 yard game since what 2020. I mean, that was really impressive in it of itself, but um, the scoreboard didn't, they didn't light up the scoreboard by any means, but they were really just a couple plays away from like having that, uh, I felt like 27, 30 point game. And maybe we'll get it this weekend against the Cardinals defense that's really struggled to stop pretty much anybody all season long. 
Yeah, dare we dream an actual uh, point outburst. We did get the yards, didn't quite get the points. It did feel like one of those old old school Steelers methodical wins at Cincy, at Cleveland. We saw so many years in the Roethlisberger era where they would just strangle the life out of the out of the opposition. And it, it may have been a little bit closer in the scoreboard, but it wasn't that close in terms of how the game was played. So let's go to the offense. Obviously, the first game without Matt Canada running the offense since 2019. And uh, Mr. Faulkner and Sullivan looked like they called a good game. Uh, Sullivan, especially getting the, the sequencing right. And uh, you highlighted even just the first play of the game against the Bengals, where Pickett ends up hitting Fryermuth down the middle, I think, on a, on a four vertical look for Pittsburgh. Um, just a great start. And overall, uh, a, a fantastic performance from Pickett and the offense just outside of maybe the, uh, the turnover from Warren in the first quarter. Um, but what was looking different to you scheme wise, if you had to compare the Canada era to just game one or whatever you want to call this era for the Steelers offense, they try to piece it together under new management. Yeah. I mean, the, it's hard to make those like wholesale changes. You can't install a new offense like in like late November. Right. But they did do some interesting things in terms of tweaks uh, to change up the offense a little bit. You mentioned like the first play of the game. I mean, um they're in shotgun they go play action they throw a deep ball down the middle of the field to the tight end that they pretty much forgot existed for the mm -hmm. first you know 10 11 weeks of the season granted he's been hurt a little bit as well um uh, but it was just like oh this is different that's exactly what i said i remember saying that out loud to my wife as we're watching the game i was like oh that's different um but it was it was just really nice to see them have a plan you know um the Bengals uh kind of leaned into some of the things that Steelers have had trouble with, you know, splitting the safeties, leaving the middle of the field open, and they made him pay for it. So um, it was nice to see Fryermuth get back in the groove of things as well, him become more of a featured uh, component of the Steelers' offense, of the Steelers' passing game. Um, just in terms of tweaks, I mean, there was some little stuff as well. Um, the 13 personnel stuff was a really good look. Um, there's an article published uh, either, I don't know if it went out last night or today on SteelersNow.com, but I wrote about um, just the increase of, 13 personnel. So the Steelers really confident in their tight end room with Washington, Hayward, Fryermuth, got varying skill sets. Um, they used uh, 13 personnel with all those guys on the field more last week than they had all season. So it was really interesting to see that. Um, and then just some other like tiny stuff, like more stacks, more purposeful motion, uh, easy throws for the quarterback over the middle of the field. Um, there was a lot to take away in terms of just positives. And like you said, very little negatives in my opinion. What did you make of the comments coming out of the Steelers' locker room? And I forget who it was right now, but uh, our Nick Farabaugh had the coverage on Calvin. Steelers now about uh, the pregame meetings with Faulkner and Sullivan and saying that the players were given a heads up, hey, we get into third and five, this portion of the field, you can look for this type of a play. Um, I kind of thought that was what always happened <laughs> in NFL uh, game planning situations, but maybe some coordinators do it differently from others. But um, how much of an impact do you think that sort of, I suppose, player familiarity, player comfort with certain segments of the playbook in certain situations? Is that just player empowerment, right? Just saying that um, you don't have to just trust me blindly as the play caller because here's what we're going to draw from. It's going to simplify things to that degree. I even tell you this, not to make it this too personal, but even from my personal life experience, uh, dealing with people, you know, younger than me, even uh, this day and age, I think people are more curious now about the why behind everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, maybe that potentially relates to a lot of the younger Steelers players on offense. They want to know why they're being asked to do something. So like, why are we calling this concept 
on third down? Why are we calling this concept in the red zone? What are we trying to accomplish here? Like what coverages do we think we we, we are going to get? Um, what are we trying to exploit within the defense? And um, it was definitely eye opening. Uh, I do think that it was not a very good look on the coaching staff in general, uh, probably, you know, directly. Um, you know, not a great look on Matt Canada uh, because I do agree with you. I think those conversations shouldn't be had because players, if you're going to ask them to execute a certain route, a certain concept, a certain play call, uh, you want them to understand why you're calling it. And it's felt like, you know, the details, that's something that Sullivan, uh, Faulkner, a lot of the players talked about this week was details, 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 uh, being really a heavy point of emphasis. And, you know, as they're heading into this playoff stretch, you know, got the Cardinals coming in this weekend those details are going to be increasingly important because even in these games where they're going to be favored and, you know, they're not necessarily playoff type atmosphere or matchups. These are the times where you really need to see that, that gradual consistent improvement before they get into, you know, really the, the home stretch of the schedule here. We're starting to see some hype nationwide for the Steelers offensive line, and it didn't get a lot of love early in the season, but now we're seeing talk about Broderick Jones in particular. Now he's a guy that we expected a lot um, coming into the NFL this year. But um, overall, how do you feel about the performance there? Because I know earlier in the season there was some chatter that Pickett wasn't getting enough time and the line wasn't doing a good enough job. But um, now we're starting to see things pop up here and there. Um, uh, just overall about, uh, say, Isaac uh, Suomalo not allowing a sack in a couple of years. So, um how do you feel about that personally with um, the trajectory of the season? You know, I think it, just in general, um, I think a big thing with the passing game, man, um, you know, it's not really any secret that when you protect the quarterback and he's not under a ton of pressure, he's going to play better. And that's been a direct indication of what Pickett's like best performances this season have all been the ones that he hasn't been under the most pressure. So you look at some of the teams that have really been able to get after them up front. Those are the games where he hasn't looked so good. So, and that's, that's not really a surprising thing, especially with a young quarterback. But, um, you know, Broderick's impact has been really uh, noticeable, not just in the uh, pass pro uh, part of it, but also in the run game. And I think the Steelers just leaning into more of these gap scheme uh, runs, uh, particularly, you know, where you're pulling the guards, pulling the tackles. It's like it took the Steelers a little bit to figure out, oh, we have some pretty athletic linemen who are pretty good in space. Maybe we should weaponize that. Uh, but now that they've done that and they kind of understand what they are uh, just in terms of the run game, I think it's given them an identity on offense and it's allowed them to be more balanced. And because of their you know, more balanced, being able to uh, you know, do whatever they need to do in terms of moving the football, it's allowed uh, Pickett to have a little bit more you know, freedom and I think a little less stress on his shoulders compared to maybe the first couple of weeks of the season where they weren't running it effectively at all. Sorry, my backdrop is uh, falling here, Derek. I'm just going to yank it down. Oh, no, you're good. There we go. <laughs> Get it. We've got uh, Cosmo Kramer behind me. <laughs> uh, we're playing hurt today, folks. Uh, Derek's got COVID. I got something. I don't know what it is. My voice questionable is questionable for tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah, highly questionable as of right now. Um, all right. I did want to talk more about Kenny Pickett. So um, you see him nail some of those deep throws down the sideline, and he's been pretty comfortable throwing down the sideline. But um, going over the middle, the first throw of the game, I got to keep coming back to it, that he was comfortable enough to go A to the tight end, but also B over the middle. We just haven't seen him throw over the middle at all um, this this season. And uh, whether it be by play design for Matt Canada or just a lack of confidence on his part. Um, so uh, how crucial do you feel like 
that portion of um of the game is for for Pickett because uh, it it just felt like a, a totally different player rejuvenated in a lot of ways against the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, look, the Steelers have seen more cover two, uh, more cover six than pretty much any team in the NFL uh, so far this season. Uh, I forget the numbers, but Cody Alexander tweeted some uh, PFF coverage rates. Uh, I think it was last week. Uh, and they were like number one by a considerable margin. And the reason for that is just because defenses have been leaving the middle of the field open because the Steelers don't look there. They don't throw there. Um, but I thought last week, you know, really they took some shots in the middle of the field early, the first play of the game, but they also went right back to it uh, with uh, another deep ball to Fryermuth. That was against, I think it was quarter, quarter, half. So cover six. Um, and basically what that does is on the quarter side of the field, it puts Fryermuth matched up one-on-one with a linebacker. And like those type of uh, matchups are the ones that we've been begging for them to exploit, right? Like we want to see them uh, take advantage of Fryermuth as a receiver. Like he's not your traditional Y tight end where he's going to, you know, just get in and like dig all these defensive ends and go one-on-one with edge defenders and stuff. But you put him in space, especially with linebackers and safeties, he can win. And I think that, you know, his reintegration into the offense is going to help them potentially solve some problems against some of these split safety looks, some of these zone coverage looks that they've struggled so much with um, over the first, you know, better part of the half of the season. And of course the, the running game, we saw a lot more of uh, the explosive Najee Harris. Uh, that's going to help pick it, of course. And uh, even though it was a down game for Jalen Warren, uh, I think we can allow that considering how well he has played recently. Um, and, and you, alluded to this. I think I'm guilty of it too. It's which one's better. Who's the true number one back. It doesn't matter, right? As long as the Steelers can keep them both under the salary cap and uh, keep them both relatively happy. If they're both producing, what's the difference, right? So um, what do you feel that, that Harris brings that maybe Warren doesn't do they complement each other or is it a case of maybe some overlapping talents between those two? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, I think maybe it's just human nature that we always just want to compare guys, um, you know, but it, I do think it's a little bit weird just from like the a fan base perspective. Uh, it just seems like they're always getting like pitted up against each other instead of being this duo. It's more like people wanting to choose sides. And um, I think the good thing is that the Steelers, I think, have two quality backs, starting caliber running backs that are capable of, you know, really carrying the load on any given day. And I think that we saw that last week with Harris. We saw it a couple of weeks before with Jalen Warren. Um, it's one of those situations where maybe you can even play the hot hand. You know, they they do have some overlapping tendencies. Um, but I thought that Najee, the big thing with him uh, last week in particular, I thought that he ran hard, um, which not saying he that's unusual, but I thought just he was really decisive. I think that he's a completely different player when he is decisive um, in his vision um isn't you know failing him at times and then even Warren like not playing uh his best game of course the fumble uh, wasn't overly effective last week uh but he just gives you a little bit different of a of a juice of a burst uh when he gets the rock you know he's much more downhill um you know there's very little uh I don't want to say like he's not a patient runner but he's just a very aggressive runner uh, in terms of hitting the hole uh wanting to run downhill not a lot of side to side movement uh but both those guys like we talked about like how effective they've been running the football I mean they've been a top five rushing offense over the past you know better over what like six seven weeks something like that so you look at that success and that's against some good defenses too I know the Bengals last week we highlighted that they've got some Struggles uh, defending the run and newsflash. So do the Cardinals this week who are dead last uh, on defense. Um, but, you know, 
you play who's on the schedule and the Steelers did what they needed to do. They ran all over the Bengals and I anticipate them being able to do the same thing this weekend against the Cardinals. And uh, something else about Harris too, I wanted to get to before we moved on to third down. I've been again, guilty of this too. I think I've just been hard on him uh, in terms of what I expected to see from him in the NFL compared to what we have seen over the last year or so, especially is he just the kind of guy who needs at least that first uh, initial, I don't know, moment to think, uh, whereas Warren might just plow straight ahead and still get something out of nothing. Whereas Harris, if he gets that initial block, he can get into the, the second level. He can be special in that way, uh, reading things. So is it maybe just a case of um, one back is better at, um, at at one side of of the, of the um, uh, I guess, the situational split and, and one, one back is, is different in a, in a different way? Yeah, I think – just with Najee, one of the things that um, I would say was a little bit of a concern coming out of Alabama was, you know, he's always been a better athlete than everybody on the field, right? So in Alabama, he would bounce a lot of runs. And when I would watch it on tape, I was like, man, I don't know if he's that type of athlete to where he's going to be able to get uh, to the edge in the NFL. And we've seen some instances like that over the first couple of years of his career. You know, some people getting frustrated with him and runs, a little too east, too much east and west instead of just getting north. So, I think it's a balance because Najee is a really good athlete um, in terms of his lateral mobility for his size. Cause you have to remember this dude's like 240 pounds. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a, he's a big dude. Uh, so the fact that he is able to make some of those plays is impressive, but you want to, you want him to use your size to your advantage and get North and, you know, really run your legs uh, because he does do some really good things. Like when he's able to get into the second level, like you mentioned, one of the things I think is like kind of frustrating though, is, you know, people have talked about, you know, oh, uh, some of the efficiency numbers, yards per carry, success rate, whatever, uh, you know, but a big thing that I think everybody wanted to see first two years, like he really didn't create a ton of explosive plays. And then this year, you know, he's leading the NFL in explosive runs. And it's like, I just don't know. I think one of the problems you run into when you have these first rounders who turn out to be solid players, but they're not maybe impact players or franchise cornerstones or anything like that. I think when you just get solid players in the first round, I think fans get, um, I, just, I don't want to say ungrateful, but they just, they expect more, kind of like what you were saying. Like you expect mm-hmm. to see more. And when you don't get that, I think that that leads to some unrealistic expectations instead of just being a little bit more appreciative of, okay, this is just a solid player. Cause not everybody that gets drafted in the first round is going to be TJ Watt. Like sometimes you just get solid starters. And that's what I feel like the Steelers have in Harris. And we can go on and on about, should you take a running back in the first round if he's not a special player? Should you take a running back in the first round at all? Those debates can happen in the offseason. But the fact of the matter is Harris is on the team. So, like, there's he's not going nowhere, at least right now. Um, so, I think the fact that he's able to at least carve out a role and be productive, like I think he has been this year, is at least a good time in the short term. Yeah, I think he's also the victim of what's going on with Kenny Pickett, too. Kenny Pickett did not ask to be picked in the first round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but that's where he's at, and that's – uh, rightly or wrongly, that's what shapes the expectations in, in some ways. So we do have to always guard against um, what we expected personally, or as a as a fan base, as a as a media core, and uh, matching that up against what uh, is realistic for a certain player and their skill set. Uh, you did touch upon the the thirteen personnel. You wrote an extensive article on Steelers Now Plus. Take a look there. Sign up for our premium package to get access to all of Derek's writings in that regard on SteelersNow.com. Uh, the 13 personnel, for those who don't know, it's uh, one running back, 
three tight ends. The Steelers have Pat Fryermuth, Connor Hayward, Darnell Washington picked in the third round. So they have the opportunity to uh, throw this out there more often. The Kansas City Chiefs have used this formation, this personnel, I should say, to uh, great effect. In recent years, um, it, it seems to be more of a of a modern trend in the NFL. Um, do you really think that this can be, uh, I hate to say game changer, because that might be pushing it a little bit too far, but uh, can this be effective uh, in the last third of the season for the Steelers as they still try to get their footing as uh, we move on from the Canada era? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The Steelers moved to this kind of 13 personnel um, kind of thing the week before the Cardinals game because the Cardinals also utilize a lot of this same formation. So there's a chance we could see a good amount of it in Pittsburgh on Sunday. But um, just in terms of like the NFL is kind of cyclical in nature, right? Like we've been used to over the past, I would say, you know, decade or so, uh, all these teams getting real spread heavy. Well, what's happened with that is defenses have leaned into lighter bodies and more secondary players on the field. And now offenses are kind of trying to figure out like over the past couple years, year or two, they're trying to figure out like, okay, like what happens if we go bigger? Like, do you guys have the personnel to match that? And like, I think that some of the teams, like the chiefs use this uh, extensively last year on the run of the super bowl. Um, it's kind of leans into a little bit of the, like the, of the Steelers run game, right? Everybody was going in zone, heavy run schemes, they're still rampant in the NFL zones, the most uh, prevalent concept there is, but now you're starting to see teams like the Rams, like the Steelers have a ton of success running downhill, uh, more power scheme or gap duo uh, counter, things like that. Well, the reason for that is like teams have drafted all these uh, defensive linemen that are like really athletic, can get to the edge, defend zone running, rushing schemes. Uh, but now it's like, okay, well, you've got a 270, 280 pound, defensive end what what happens if we run right at him with a double team and like teams are having a success running the football down people's throats this year so I think this is this kind of the way that the NFL is shifting and it's nice to see the Steelers at least lean into it a little bit uh it's a very small sample size who knows this could have just been a Bengals game plan thing right they could have mm -hmm. seen something with the Bengals defense that they thought they could exploit um but I'm hopeful we'll see a little bit more of a varied or multiple approach from the Steelers offense with Canada out of the picture and with Faulkner and Sullivan kind of gotten the show here all right, let's go on to this week's matchup against the Cardinals. As uh, yeah, it's a two and ten Cardinals team. They are not very good. They've beaten Atlanta by two points, and they beat Dallas of all teams in Week Three. You might recall that was a shocker. Like Early biggest on, upset Josh of the Dobbs season helped uh, orchestrate uh, that win for the Cards before he was traded on to the Vikings. Of course, familiar name in the backfield. Uh, we all know James Conner. He's been their leading rusher most of the year. Kyler Murray is back in there uh, for the Cardinals under center. But overall, Derek, it's it's a mismatch. The Steelers should win this game. Uh, I, I suppose we'll see if um, the uh, the changes we saw last week on offense in particular do uh, continue on and, and continue to be a positive thing. On the defensive side, Mika Fitzpatrick said he feels good. It's a hamstring, obviously, so it could be touch and go. But he's expecting to play this Sunday. The, the Steelers have had to move around their secondary with him being out. And, of course, Keanu Neal got hurt, too. So uh, the return of Fitzpatrick... Um, that moves the puzzle pieces around, doesn't it? Um, what do you think that will uh, allow them to do that they haven't been able to do with Fitzpatrick out? Yeah, I'm going to be really inter interested to see um, what Trenton Thompson's uh, playing time looks like now that Fitzpatrick is back. 
Uh, obviously, getting Minka back is going to be huge uh, because, you know, obviously he's the best player in the secondary in particular. Um, but, you know, Thompson's played some good ball, man. I, I brought him up a couple times uh, just in various formats. Uh, I think that they should at least give him a chance to carve out some type of role uh, in the meantime to see if he can still be a contributor. Uh more than just like a death piece, but uh, the Steelers are getting healthy. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, we just haven't really seen, you know, why Hayward Fitzpatrick, the core foundational pillars of the Steelers defense on the field at the same time this season. And I think it's really, uh, it's nice that the Steelers defense is playing at such a high level right now over the past month, month plus. Uh, and now that they're getting healthy, I think they could do some really, uh, really fun things. But, you know, just in terms of uh, the Cardinals matchup, man, like this is like the, classic case of a uh, team that has like nothing to lose right like Kyler's coming in coming off the injury he's got like five six weeks to pretty much prove to the organization that he's the guy that they don't need to reset this clock and you know draft a new quarterback and you know James Connors coming in here of course like you always want to play well against the team that you know lets you go in free agency um, so there, there's some underlying things here the Cardinals like you mentioned to intent they have nothing to lose uh, in this game whatsoever uh, so after they got blown out by a divisional opponent last week, I'm interested to see what type of attitude or vibe they bring to the stadium on Sunday, uh, because I'm sure that those guys are going to be competitive and they're going to have a chip on their shoulder. Could be one of those games where if you let the team hang around for a while, they start to believe a little bit. And like I said, they have upset the, the Cowboys this season. Uh, that was before the Cowboys really got rolling, but still, nonetheless, that was an upset in the moment. And uh, like I said, they played a couple of teams tight, but Overall, you look at common opponents, the, uh, the Cardinals have lost to the Rams a couple of times. The Steelers went out to Los Angeles and beat the Rams. Um, the, the Cards lost to the Niners, so did the Steelers. Um, and the Cardinals lost 27 to nothing to Cleveland a few weeks back. Might be the most um, apropos matchup where you can look and try to figure out, okay, through the uh, transit of property, who's better and by how much. Um, so is there any part of this game that, that concerns you from a, a matchup standpoint or do you feel like this is a take care of business type of a situation? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the Steelers are a better football team on both sides of the ball right now than the Cardinals are. The Cardinals are very much a team that is in a rebuilding phase. Um, but there are still some things that kind of worry me a little bit, particularly with this, uh, the Cardinals offense, um, just in terms of. Kyler is a little bit of a wild card because we just don't have a lot of film on what this uh, offense is going to look like. You know, they've got new offensive guys calling the plays, new offensive architecture with him. Uh, and then he's just one of those type of playmakers that like when he's rolling, he can be really, really impactful and kind of scary, to be honest with you. Um, and just in general, I think if there is a area of the game where the Cardinals do have kind of an advantage maybe over the Steelers um, is like their rushing game on offense has been pretty good this season. Uh, Drew Petzing uh, has some uh, Kevin Stefanski ties. He was in Cleveland, so he's very familiar with the Steelers defense, what they do up front, how they run their, how they fit the run, things like that. Uh, the Cardinals have been really successful, even without James Conner for like a month this season. Um, they've been a top 10 rushing team by rushing success rate, rushing EPA per play. Um, so they've done some good things. Uh, they will mix in some power stuff. They run some zone. Uh, you'll see some pullers. Uh, Connor, like I said, he's got, he, I'm sure he's going to want to play really well um, in a little bit of a homecoming matchup as well. So, um, you know, the, the Cardinals, I'm sure that they're going to have a lot of stuff to play for. It's going to be very interesting to see. But to answer your question, this is a game where this, 
Steelers absolutely have to and should take care of business, especially as they kind of look forward to this playoff push. Yeah, I alluded to it at the top of the show, but the Steelers are at seven and four. That's fifth place in the AFC. Remember, top seven make it in the AFC now. So tied with the Browns, one game ahead of the Colts, but they're still just one game ahead of the Texans and the Broncos, both of whom are out. So it's no time to relax. Um, I suppose if you want to look at it from the intangible standpoint, that uh, tightness in the standing should allow the Steelers to bring that level of urgency naturally. They shouldn't have to generate anything artificially here. So how do you feel about the uh, the outcome? Any predictions for a final score or how we expect the game to go? Do we do we have a spread? I, I meant to look this up before the show, but just I'll before I get one. off of my tangent, I'm just really yeah. curious on what the spread and the over-under is. Um, to answer your question, I do have a couple like random predictions. Um, one of my kind of boldish predictions is I think Patrick Peterson gets a pick off Kyler. That's one of my that's one of my predictions. Um, because I, I know that there's been some some words there between the two guys uh, as recently as like a year or two ago. Of course, former teammates. Speaking of people that are going to have a chip on their shoulder, Patrick Peterson definitely is going to have a chip on his shoulder during this game. He's going to want to play well. Uh, I think he's going to get a pick. That's just my that's my one random prediction. Uh, but I do think the Steelers have a uh, a really good showing. I think they win. I also think they put up a season high in points. That's my other bold prediction. So. What was the what was the spread? The spread is five and a half Steelers, obviously, and the over under is forty one. Last I 41? saw, forty one. When's the last time we've seen an over under in the forties for a Steelers game? That's <laughs> maybe see Vegas knows, man. Highest point total of the season. They're they're feeling something. What would be the <laughs> highest point total? I got to look it up now. Uh, they got twenty six against the Bengals, or pardon me, the Browns. The Browns that and that wasn't even the so, offense didn't score those points. Yeah, uh, that uh, was the Monday night defense. game. Yeah, no, I'm saying yeah. I'm, I'm saying they scored twenty seven. That's my right, twenty seven. I think that's that's entirely reasonable. I keep forgetting last week they only got sixteen. It felt like it should have been thirty at least. That was just a weird one. Yeah, they were a couple of plays away, man. But I think I think this matchup, like I said, the Cardinals uh, dead last in success rate on defense, 31st in EPA per play. They've got some injuries in the back end. They're starting two rookie corners, don't have much of a pass rush. They don't blitz a lot, uh, play a lot of zone coverage. It's I, I think the Steelers are going to be able to move the football. Uh, you can also run at this team. I watched Kyron Williams go berserk on them last week. So, um could be another big game for the running backs as well. Like they have matchups all over the place. Uh, this, like I said, if there was ever a week for the Steelers offense to just explode and set Twitter and social media ablaze, I think it's this week. <laughs> and keep in mind too, they have the Patriots at home on Thursday. So if they could have a game where they're not sweating blood in the fourth quarter, that would be nice to save a little bit for the uh, the, the quick recovery they've got coming up. And then of course the the so-called mini buy, the half buy. After that, after you play on Thursday night. So an opportunity here against a couple of uh, lower class teams in Arizona and New England. Step one is being the Cardinals, of course, on Sunday at one o'clock on CBS. For Derek Bell, I'm Matt Geica. Thank you for watching, listening, putting up with my voice today. Uh, believe me, it's just as annoying to me as it is to you. Um, I'm to be back at full strength as we get ready for the pass. But for right now, enjoy the game against the Cardinals. We'll talk to you next time on the Steelers Now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. 
you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pre-game scout.